Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How are you doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, today we are going to be talking about only those who endure until the end will be saved. Beloved, you got to realize salvation is conditional. Jesus says you must remain faithful until the end. Amen. Listen, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. Now, before we even get started, I already know what you are thinking because you were told, like I was told, we have eternal security. That no matter how we live this life, as long as we believe on Jesus, that we will not face God's wrath, but spend eternity with him in his kingdom. What about the part that we need to not make provision for the flesh? Hmm. What about the fact that if we get ourselves tangled up and enslaved by sin again, we will be worse off than before? What about that? What about how Paul was saying that sin is no longer our master, so why are we even sinning in the first place? What about the fact that because since we are not under the laws of Moses, we should not and must not take God's grace as a license to sin just because his grace abounds more. Paul says, absolutely not do we take God's grace as a license to sin, and we are going to see from scriptures today, one can actually give up 
their salvation. So, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God. And <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> I'm joking over here. Listen. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Amen. So it is possible for those who were once partakers of the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who at one time was once enlightened and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. They have fallen away. And those who claim a true born again person cannot fall away, well, that simply is not true. This scripture is talking about the one who was clearly born again because they had the Holy Spirit. This is why we cannot be deceived because for this one, there is no more repentance. Why? Because they have left Jesus and they have decided to stay away. They are not looking to come back. So, question on the floor. Because we have to deal with this. You want to know why? We got to deal with this. The day of Christ's return is fastly approaching. And if we get lulled into a false sense of security that you can live every bit like the devil and still get to go to heaven. Many have have found out way too late that it was simply not true. We must live godly lives, producing fruit of our repentance. So, the age-old question is back on the floor. Is there eternal salvation? Yeah, for the one who remains faithful to Jesus and endures until the end. So, before we get into what we are going to be talking about today, let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, hallowed be thy holy name. Father, we look forward to your kingdom. We look forward to spending eternity with you and Jesus Christ. 
Father, help us to understand that salvation is a free gift from you. By your grace, you were so merciful to us sinners who were steeped in sin on our way straight to a burning hell as we await final judgment. Even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for sending Jesus. We needed a Savior. We needed redemption and salvation. Father, you do not snatch away your gifts. We give up your gifts. Where eternal life is concerned, this is a race. This is a race that we must run and and have endurance. That is why, thank you, Holy Spirit, you've sent us Holy Spirit. Once Christ ascended back to heaven, Holy Spirit came upon those on the day of Pentecost, and he has been indwelling every born-again believer in Christ Jesus ever since. So we have no excuse as to why we are still in willful, blatant sin claiming the name. Father, by your grace today, we will see scriptures such as Matthew 24, 13. Christ Jesus was talking about the end times, the last days. He said, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 24, 13. Matthew 10, 22, he said the same thing. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. And Father, we see over here in James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Amen. And then we see Mark 13, 13. Christ Jesus is saying the same thing again. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. And Father, how can we forget Hebrews 3.14? For we have come to share in Christ if, if, Father, I don't know why people just jump over the words that makes it clear that salvation is conditional. It's like they think that 
the word of God is somehow on the low, snatching away their salvation for no good reason. As if you don't have anything else better to do is to to lift someone up and then snatch the rug out from beneath them. No, it is conditional because it gives us a warning that if we don't remain faithful, if we go back out a whoring to this Babylonian satanic world, we can forfeit our salvation. Hebrews 3.14 tells us, For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. The end of what? Because people, because Father, people don't seem to understand what the term until the end means. It doesn't mean after you you leave the church, once you've said that sinner's prayer, then, then that's it. We are good to go. No, the end means exactly that, to the end. Whether we go by the way of the grave or Jesus returns to bring history to a culmination. That end, right Holy Spirit, once we leave these earthly, fleshly body suits, that end. Father, we know you are compassionate and merciful. We consider those blessed who remained steadfast. We have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Amen. We see this in James 5.11. Father, no matter what goes on, in this world, and in our private lives. James 1, verses 2 to 4, tells us how to handle these different trials. You said through him, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Amen. And Father, lastly, we know that the Bible uses the word steadfast. It means 
to be firm and unwavering in our faith. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be firm in what we believe. If we if we are we won't allow ourselves to be moved when we face trials or difficulties. We will be steadfast and defend the truth. Amen. So Father, I ask for more steadfastness, more endurance, more patience, more faith, more of your grace, Father. And I plead this on behalf of all my brothers and sisters in Christ, that no matter what happens, we will all stand fast for Jesus Christ. Even if we are that generation that sees the Antichrist commits the abomination of desolation when he stands in that third temple. Halfway, halfway through the seven-year tribulation. And we know his mark of the beast is right around the corner. May we have the wherewithal if we see this happens, not to give up on our faith. But if we go by the way of the grave, may we until our dying breath never give up on Jesus, never stop loving you, never stop doing what is right, what is good, and what is holy. We are preparing to meet you, Father. So if we if we are living through any portion of that seven-year tribulation, because there will be heavy persecution against your people, may we have the spiritual backbone that if we got to get beheaded because we will not worship the beast nor his image nor take his mark, then so be it. Right, Holy Spirit, we are in training right now. So I thank you, Father, for all of these teachings about being ready, about being prepared, about enduring until the end, and most of all, stop sinning. Bless your holy name, Father. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for the glorification of these lowly bodies, Father. We are so looking forward to the day where there will be no more crying, no more grief, no more, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more devil, no more sin. Only righteousness and only those who have endured until the end 
will inherit your kingdom. We we are living life today for that future time. Help us, strengthen us to be prepared to meet the King of glory. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. So, beloved, let me ask again. Is there eternal salvation? Is there what these teachers preach? Eternal security. Folks, listen. We know God, our Heavenly Father, does not go back on His Word. He does not repent where the gifts He has given to His children He does not snatch that away. So we know eternal life is for the one who remains faithful. Remains is an ongoing term. It doesn't mean that once we've come to Christ, then there's nothing left to do. Because if you let... The camp of once saved, always saved. Once you're in the family, you are always in the family. If we let them tell it, there's nothing left for you to do. Why repent? For what? Our past, present, and future sins have all been taken care of at the cross. Beloved, the problem is that's not scriptural. Our past sins is what was dealt with at the cross. Once we've come to Jesus, all that filth, garbage that we are bringing to him in that day, on that day, those sins... Covered by the blood of Jesus. No problem whatsoever. And going forward, the expectation from heaven is to sin not. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, if that's the command from the commander-in-chief, because he told the woman and the man that he, he healed from his lame foot, and he told the woman who was caught in the bed of adultery to go and sin no more, that means Christ Jesus fully expects for us not to be in willful, deliberate sin. So why would he say that? And knowing that It was no possible way for us to keep it. So therefore, we all that sin that we commit in the future, even before we even do it, has been taken care of. The understanding is that there, if we, look, if we doing this right, there should be no future 
there should be no future sins. That's the mindset. Realistically, we may miss the mark. Jesus was talking about a life that is cultivated and characterized by sin. That lifestyle, absolutely, he does not expect for us to live. Oh, absolutely not. And so people who wants to keep playing with their soul thinks that Jesus just automatically, when he died on the cross once and, and for all time for sin, that they can go on sinning that way for them, there's no reason to repent because they were taught by the wolf bishop that your future sins have all been taken care of and therefore you have eternal security. I don't believe that term is anywhere in the Bible. If it if it is, it's only alluding to the fact that the person who remains in Jesus will have eternal life and that salvation is a free gift. So we have eternal salvation. But guess what? You and I must remain faithful until the end. So no, beloved, we do not got this in the bag. Listen, eternal salvation is for the one. It is for that one. No man can pluck out of Jesus' hand. Mm-hmm. Please don't make me have to run back over there to John 10, 27, where Christ clearly outlines whom he was talking about, who he was referring to when he said no man can snatch them because he, because he was talking about who his true sheep truly are because them over there in that one saved, always saved camp, they think that scripture is for them. Mm-hmm. That that they can continue to live, I mean, just any kind of way. Sleeping around, staying in, staying in these adulterous remarriages, still smoking that weed, still lying, still murdering, still being envious and, and covetous and greedy being the biggest gossip in town, mm-hmm. just being busybodies, slandering the brethren, uh-huh. walking in hatred and, and, and envy and jealousy, just outbursts of anger, railings. These are they who with other deceived, can't even call them sheep, other deceived quote-unquote Christians that they can pick up a picket sign and go down to City Hall and demand justice. Yeah, so, uh uh-uh. Jesus was talking about the one who 
knows his voice. They listen to him. They follow him. And they obey him. He was saying they. Them are the ones. No one can ever snatch, pluck, take out of his hand. Nor can anyone take them out of the father's hand. Mm -mm. So it makes perfect sense. The one who endures until the end, the same shall be saved. Christ Jesus tells us this in Matthew 24, 13. Already read it in the prayer. Beloved, scripture is unanimous. In, In order to have eternal life, we must remain faithful to the one who shed his blood on a Roman's cross for the sins of the world And before you even open up your mouth and say it, well, that's a work. That's working for our salvation. You know what? What what will it take for you to just stop sinning? Okay, because everything is a work. That's a work. That's a work. We tell people what Jesus said to repent or perish. Well, repentance, oh, that's a work. Our salvation was a free gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Exactly. What you just said proves everything I've just said. Salvation of itself is something we can't earn. But how do we keep it? That's what we're talking about. We ain't talking about earning salvation. Let me say it again, please. We are not talking about earning your salvation. Get that out your mind for the moment. We're talking about now that you are saved. Now that you've come into the family, we know it was nothing. I'm going to say it again. It was nothing we could have done to earn this wonderful, precious, undeserved gift from Holy God called salvation. When a person repents and place their faith in Jesus Christ, this wonderful gift is now made available to us, whereby the, the, the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ washes away, remits our past sins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how do we maintain our right standing. Please get that through your understanding. So, how do we maintain this wonderful position that we now find ourselves in because of Jesus Christ? Can we start there? Please.
we must live a holy, clean, righteous life in order to maintain what we have received for free. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray they got that because I'm I'm trying different ways of bringing us to this point in the walk. We know there's nothing we could boast and brag about how we got saved. Nope, it's all on God. He did it. He did it alone. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. Fine. Now that we are in Christ, what do we do now? Does it make any sense? Please use your cognitive thinking. Does it make any sense? Now that Christ Jesus died a horrific, bloody, brutal, violent death for each person who who was ever born to a human woman. God <laughs> praise she's human. What he has done for us on the cross doesn't make any sense that we would just trample over all of that and just continue to live life as before with this false sense of security that just because we made a confession with these mouths but that heart is far from Christ Jesus that dark heart is not even listening I mean it is so closed off from the real Jesus Christ it's not even funny but these are the ones who will tell you, looking you square in your eye, I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you, but I know I'm going to heaven. Why? Because they say they believe in Jesus, and yet they don't believe his teachings. Make that make sense to me. Listen. Scripture is unanimous. In order to have eternal life, we must remain faithful to the one who died and shed his blood, reconciling us back to God through his atoning sacrifice. Can't say it enough. By grace, we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, no one can boast. That they, through their works, they received salvation from the Lord. But if you don't continue to abide in Christ Jesus, like he told us to. What is that? John fifteen fourteen. Hold on. Let me go check. Yep, yep, John 15, let's read it. Jesus is the vine, right? We are followers. We are the branches. 
He said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So this tells us this is a born again believer filled with his Holy Spirit because he says every branch in me. So that means we are in Christ. We are born again. But guess what? Because see, some of y'all think that that's all you all needed to do because anything else is a work. We, we don't, we don't, we don't work to earn our salvation. I believe the problem is terminology. Yeah, semantics. When we, no, not we, when the Bible says you must produce fruit in keeping with your, your repentance, when James was saying, fine, you say you have faith. And I say, where are your works to back up your faith? And it's like people just bypass all of that. They are just so stuck on the fact that you can't tell us that that we have to live clean and holy because that's a work for salvation. Please don't let me have to go through that whole dissertation again. That one, hello, get my bell. Wake up. Wake up. See, the problem is stop sinning because you are so busy sinning, your ears are plugged. You're not hearing the teaching. Now that you are in Christ, how do you think you are supposed to be living? Let me ask it like that because that's probably the the 53rd way that I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand you can't live in willful sin claiming the name. You can't. How, how do you, how do you think that you should be living now that you say you are born again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, Jesus was saying over here in John 15, every branch in me, this is verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He's saying that the father will take that branch. Who is not bearing fruit? The father who is the vine dresser will take that branch away. Mm-hmm. So, listen, he takes away and every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes. Amen. So, although we are producing fruit, good fruit, this sanctification is ongoing. We are repeatedly being pruned, cut dealt with. Why? So we can bear even greater, more fruit. Because look, he says that the father prunes so that it will bear more fruit. 
this branch must bear more fruit. And he says, even, even richer and finer fruit. Amen. Beloved. Okay. I'm talking to the one that thinks that all they got to do is just believe in Jesus. We who got this memo, I'm not talking to you right now because right here, I see you. I'm talking to Miss Missy over here who believes that Jesus told her through prayer, through, through prayer that she gets to stay in her adulterous remarriage because you can't tell her, oh, she ain't going to heaven. Oh, oh, you should have seen her. So, what was I going to say? See how y'all got me so distracted? Oh, right. How do you think that you are going to produce even richer and finer fruit if you are not doing any good works? Meaning, if you say you are born again, there should be no sin in your life. Now, before y'all even start, well, you know, no one is perfect. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm talking about the mindset, okay? Because all of this has to deal with repenting, the changing, the renewing, and the and the transforming of your mindset. If you set your mind that you are going to sin, you are still going to be doing those things that that does not please the Father, then your thinking is wrong. You need to have a, a different thought. The mindset that is stuck on eternity is is turning. It is churning. Thinking of ways how to remain in Jesus Christ. It's not turning and churning how to get around scripture and fight with the brethren because we are trying to bring in love correction that the way you are living does not please God and no the father nor the son will ever tell anyone in prayer. I don't care even if an angel shows up at the foot of your bed. Will never give authorization from heaven that you or I can stay in willful blatant sin. And if you say Jesus told you that. I'm here to break the news to you, beloved. That was not Jesus Christ. You don't know his voice because if right, Holy Spirit, because if you knew his voice, you would know he would never say that. No, not on any day of the week. Will Jesus ever say it's fine with me. Stay where you are. I'm so glad it was recorded in the gospel, the pattern. 
once he forgives you of your sins, once he, once you are no longer condemned, the pattern is to go, comma, and sin no more. Not, well, you know, maybe because, you know, I, I get it. If you find yourself in sin, okay, don't worry about it. I got you covered anyway. And yes, for you, you you get to stay smoking your weed, dressing like a harlot, sleeping around. You don't have to come out of that remarriage. I get it. You you do deserve another bite at the marital apple. You right. I want because <laughs> it's ridiculous. You right. I want you to be happy. I want you to be secured. I want you to be confident. I want you to have your best Gucci, Fendi, Prada, Tesla life. You go, girl. Absolutely not. <laughs> Will Christ Jesus ever, 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 never, ever, you better stop it. Will he ever condone sin? No, because if that's the case, why die on the cross for sin if he will allow it to go down? People, please just think. Just think. Get up out of your flesh for all of two seconds. So, so maybe a drop, a sprinkle of common sense can enter the brain. Will Jesus ever tell anybody that they can stay in sin when the rest of us have to do like he told us to strive to enter through the narrow door? Because that path, it is hard, it ain't easy, and only few will find it. But you get to stay on that broad way. You better wake up. You... You are greatly deceived. So, where was we? Right. Where are we at? John 15. I'm telling you, you... <sighs> Y'all better stop playing with the Lord. Listen. Right. Verse 3. You are already clean because of my word which I have given you. The teachings which I have discussed with you. Verse 4. Four of James 15, I mean of John 15. Remain in me and I will remain in you just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. Amen. Folks, as branches, as branches, <clears throat> we got work to do. We must be producing good fruit. And we can't do that if we are not in the vine. If we have snapped ourselves off from Jesus Christ by turning our backs on him. And go a whoring back out there into the world. Because you thought you got this in the bag. That all you needed to do was to believe on Jesus. Not producing any fruit. Not living a repentive lifestyle. 
Not living circumspectly for what? I ain't got to look over my life because if I do sin willfully, he got me covered. 1 John 1, 9. Beloved, y'all keep pulling 1 John 1, 9 out the back pocket if you want to. Do you not know Christ knows exactly what you're doing? He knows you are taking 1 John 1, 9 as a license to sin. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because y'all think Christ is dumb. Y'all act like Christ don't know all, see all, and will condemn you if you keep on playing. So, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, the one, listen, the one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit for otherwise apart from me. That is, <clears throat> that is cut off from vital union with me. You can do nothing. If anyone's, listen, okay. This is, this is, this is not my rant, okay. I'm only repeating what I've heard the master speak of when I read this in red, Okay, verse 6, John 15. Okay, this is, this is for they who say that, well, you know what? Jesus just loves me so much because I believe on him. I confessed his name. And so it's nothing I can do that will ever separate me from his love. Did you not read what Paul says? Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Oh, yeah. Which is true. Because you see... This is the thing about one who lives in deception. They they will take a, a biblical truth and and try to apply it to their sinful, nasty, wicked lifestyle. No, no, and no. That is <laughs> that is for the one who remains in Jesus, who who actually follows, listen, and obeys Jesus, the good shepherd. Telling you, y'all better quit it. Y'all better quit it. Listen, all of us got to look at our lives and repent daily in case we've missed something, in case we thinking, oh, it's nothing wrong with that, come to find out. No, no, no. That's sin. So, verse 6 is for you, Miss Missy. And you know who I'm talking to, okay? If anyone does not remain in me. So, that tells us that we can leave Jesus. Once we are in Christ, we can. And it is possible. It is doable It has happened. He said, if anyone does not remain, that tells us you can leave him. Mm -hmm. And many and most have. 
If anyone, that means you too, precious. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches, they who, them angels, go over there to Revelation 14, where he talks about the reapers, okay? Okay, so yeah, they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. What fire do you think he's talking about? He ain't talking about some little campfire. No, he's talking about Revelation 2015. Let's read it. Uh-huh. This is the second death. Listen. Verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, listen to this. Listen to what Jesus says over here in Revelation 21, 8. Okay. Since y'all want to ask, what fire? Okay. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Amen. So, that fire. Because Hebrews 9.27 tells us it is appointed until men wants to die, but after this, the judgment. What judgment? The great white throne judgment. Listen, Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Amen. And listen to this. Okay. Because see, I'm trying to help you get your mind right. Because y'all thinking that Jesus is looking to come back to, to pass out hugs or something and kisses. No. Listen. Revelation 14 verse 9. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb, verse 11, and the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever and they mm -hmm, have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receive it, the mark of his name 
Amen. Listen, verse 12, okay? Because this is dealing with the probably one of the biggest lie, if not one of the great lies, that there will be a pre-tribulation rapture that teaches that the church will be raptured out of here before this seven this seven year tribulation of God's judgment that increases in intensity and with more severity as each set is being thrown down from heaven. The false teaching of it all is telling us, again, we ain't got nothing to worry about. And those who believe that damnable one saved, always saved, also believe in a pre-trib. They act like they can live any kind of way and face no, no accountability, no persecution, no uh, judgment, no opposition, no wrath, nothing. Great deception. And many will fight you tooth and nail. And these are they who, guess what, beloved, are in willful, blatant sin and can't even imagine that the Jesus they believe who died for their sins. Because guess what? These apostate churches are preaching a false Christ. This false Christ tells them, sure, live how you live. You ain't got to worry about that seven-year tribulation. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You don't, have to, <clears throat> you don't have to produce any works of repentance. You don't have to bear any good fruit. I got you. I got your past, present, and future sins. Just believe in me. That's all I ask of you. That fake Jesus is leading and has led many straight to a burning hell. Verse 12 is telling us that the church will be on this earth if we are that generation. But the church, born again believers filled with God's Holy Spirit, will endure at least... <clears throat> three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation because we know from eschatology that the, the timeline of when the Antichrist true, the true him shows up won't be until at least three and a half years in. We're talking about at the midway point. When he stands in that third temple, by the way, God did not authorize the nation of Israel to build. Why? We are the temple. Now that Christ has come, we are the temple where the Holy Spirit, God, and the Son dwells. Anyway, not talking about Israel right now. When the Antichrist institutes his mark of the beast, that does not happen until around this three and a half year mark. No, the church will not be here for God's final seven sets of judgment, 
But up until that point, there will be killings of saints, beheadings, because we will refuse this mark. And so listen, verse 12, this angel is giving encouragement to the church by saying this. So this is how we know we will still be on the earth during that time. And you can fight and scream all you want because no one wants to suffer. No one wants to face persecution. No one wants to be killed for their faith. But they had no problem, right, Holy Spirit? They had no problem that Jesus suffered. Jesus faced persecution and opposition. Jesus died for you, but you can't suffer and be persecuted and come under condemnation and even dying for him. Oh, you can't do that for him, but he did it for you though. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's why many are going to fall away. The great apostasy. Many will will have been claiming Jesus up until that point. But the moment you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't work. Uh-huh. Many will be signing up quick, fast, and in a hurry. So, the angel was saying in verse 12, of Revelation 14, here is the patience of the saints. Who are the saints, beloved? The church, followers of Jesus Christ, and no, no, and no. This angel is not talking to tribulation saints. I keep telling y'all, burn all those books and DVDs, that whole series on Left Behind, that is a work of fiction. Those men who wrote that book are not godly men. And I don't care what you say, because one of them, his son, produces another ungodly work of fiction. That movie, show whatever you want to call it, The Chosen, well, guess what? Dallas Jenkins, his father was one of the duo who came up with this nonsense, this whole story about those being left behind once the church gets raptured out of here and before the tribulation. And because of that, those who got left behind because I, and you see, this always opened up another door to a question where false doctrine is concerned. So if the church is out of here and all that are left are sinners, right? Because that's the whole premise of that damnable series. Then who teaches these people the gospel if all who were truly born again, got snatched out of here before this seven-year tribulation? Well, how how is it that anyone will repent and come to Christ during this period if the church and the Holy Spirit is no longer on the earth? Well, those, those will be, those are pastors 
who were preaching falsely, but then got left behind. And then they, they picked up their Bibles and just started evangelizing. Y'all better stop. Cause see now y'all, y'all reaching. No, absolutely not. Because the Bible tells us in revelation that guess what? After each of these judgments, the Bible says, and no one repents. So with all the judgments of God and these people know it's coming from God and they did not turn from their sorceries. They did not turn from their murders. They did not repent. They, they were blaspheming God, cursing him because of the pain and the agony that he was unleashing onto them. And the Bible says repeatedly, they did not repent. So no, there will be no tribulation saints. That's a made up term. That right, Holy Spirit, that's not even in scripture. Nowhere. What y'all need to do is turn off the TV and, and trash all of those ungodly, unbiblical, unscriptural books. Well, he's a godly man. Why? Because he said so? Listen, y'all better start trying some fruit, testing these spirits, and stop believing every wind of doctrine. You're supposed to be growing in Christ. Get me started. So listen, Revelation 14, 12, if y'all let me get to it so I can move on. Here is the patience of the saints. And there's a colon. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So this here is talking about the church. We are the ones who keep the commandments of God and we keep our faith in Jesus Christ. This angel from heaven is telling us to be patient. Listen, while all this is going down, he's telling us to endure. Don't give up on Jesus, right? Verse 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, right, because this is John, right? Right. He's, he's being told to write this down. A voice from heaven. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Amen. The Holy Spirit is saying from this point on, what point? That mark of the beast. From that point, once that gets instituted, guess what? The, the saints, the church is being encouraged and warned at the same time. Don't take that mark. Stand firm. Endure until the end, even if it means your head. And the Holy Spirit is saying, blessed are the ones who die from this point on. Henceforth, that means going forward. Because 
Revelation tells us that those who do not take the mark of the beast or worship his image will be beheaded. And the Holy Spirit is says, said, you are blessed for that. Amen. Glory be to God. I'm telling you, y'all, y'all be getting me off on these bunny trails. Now, listen, right. I want to point this out. Okay. Stop screaming. I hear you. Salvation is conditional. What? What? What you mean? I thought we didn't earn it. Please. All right. Already spent over an hour going over this. Let me get through my notes, please. I I beg of you. Listen. Okay. So, <laughs> salvation is conditional because a man can turn away from Christ Jesus and go back out into the world, get tangled up and enslaved by sin all over again. That is why scripture tells us to not love this world for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Listen, the Bible also tells us in Romans 12, 1 through 2, listen, we must come out from among this world. Don't be a part of it, even though we are in it, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds so that we can know what is the perfect will of God. Amen. So the same question, but I already dealt with it because you had me on a bunny trail. So I may be repeating myself. You see what you all had done to me today. But listen, do you, where was I? Uh-huh. Do you think that once you've come to Christ Jesus, you do not have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Do you think you got this in the bag and, and don't have to live a life of repentance? For if you do, you are deceived and you need to stop sinning. You need to repent. We cannot have our spiritual cake and the world and eat it too. Mm -mm. You cannot live in two kingdoms at the same time. Listen, Christ Jesus said in Matthew 6.24, the Amplified, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is, which is who? A demon. You can't serve God and money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. Amen. So real quick, we are going to be looking at scriptures that tells us how our salvation is conditional. I know this goes against all of your worldly thinking about Jesus Christ 
and the love of the Father that we can take his grace as a license to go on sinning. I know this goes against every damnable doctrine of demons and teachings from the false church. You and I were indoctrinated with that you have quote-unquote eternal security you can live your life any kind of way and still get to go to heaven yeah i know you will be you and i will be in for a rude awakening listen those who hold on to this false teaching make no mistake they are in willful settled deliberate knowing practicing blatant sin Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear about how you must live a repentant, godly, righteous, upright life before the Lord. They, They don't want to hear it. They want their ears tickled as their blind pastor leads them back on the broad way with a watered down gospel. So... Because y'all made me run out of time. Now I got to run through these scriptures. Hmm. So listen. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 5. Peter also was troubled by those who fell away. Those who had been saved from the corruption of the world only to fall back into their old ways. He describes it this way, beginning with his descriptions of description of false teachers. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. I never gave y'all first Corinthians 15, one through five. I'm going to give that to you now, and then we're going to talk about what Peter was talking about over there in 2 Peter 2. See what happens when I come off my notes dealing, dealing with you, Miss Missy. So listen, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. I got to give, I, I got to give this to you first. Moreover, brethren. I share unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received." How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Amen. And that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve. Amen. Because you see, <clears throat> Paul is saying, this good news saves you. If you continue to believe the message. He told us that in verse 12. So we see, yes, that we can fall away from the message that we once believed. This good news, the gospel has the power to save 
a sin sick soul when that person remains holding on to this good message. So if you stop believing in it, and if you leave Jesus Christ, well, Second Peter 2, Peter was saying, because he was, he was warning us about these false prophets, right? And all the hot mess. Study Second Peter chapter 2. Because around 17, 18, 19, all the way to verse 22, it is applicable to us too. <clears throat> that if we find ourselves all tangled up and enslaved by sin all over again, Peter was saying, just like he was saying about these false prophets who, who are now apostate. They went rogue, chasing after filthy lucre, following, <clears throat> following the footsteps of Balaam. But that we too, that we get ourselves all enslaved by sin all over again. We will be worse off than before. And we know before was bad. So, right Holy Spirit, that tells us a level of judgment. That you knew the way. You knew the way to go and yet you rejected Christ Jesus and turned your back on him. Yeah, Peter was saying that it would be better, it, it would be better if you had never known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then reject. The holy command we were given to live godly lives. Yeah, you just like that proverb. A dog returns back to the vomit. It, he is telling us we will be worse off than before. Because if you thought you were hell bound, what levels in hell would the person who tasted the goodness of the word then left Jesus abandon the faith? Peter says, you will be worse off than before. It will be better if you had never known. So I don't even want to know the level of judgment that's coming to the one who is apostate. Amen. So beloved, in closing, I think you all have had enough of me today, right? No, Cynthia, we, we so appreciate these teachings. Well, you know what? Glory be to God. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, Christ Jesus, I'm going to leave us with Mark chapter 13. Because Jesus was telling, telling us about things to come. So, listen to this. Let us pray real quick. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, thank you that we are aware of the things to come. Give us wisdom and understanding as we read Mark 13. Father, may we remain faithful and, and, and endure until the end as we look forward to the day approaching of our Lord and Savior's soon coming. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, beloved, listen, here we go. Mark 13. 
as he was coming out of the temple grounds, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Jesus replied to him, You see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus began to say to them, Be careful. Be careful and see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, misusing my name, or claiming to be the Messiah, saying, I am he. And he will dis and will deceive and mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, frightened, troubled. These things must take place, but the end is not yet. Verse 8. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These things are the beginning of the birth pangs, the, the intolerable anguish and suffering. But be on your guard. They will turn you over to courts and you will be beaten in, you will be beaten in synagogues. And you will stand as accused before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel, that is the good news regarding the way of salvation, must first be preached to all the Gentile nations. Amen. Verse 11. When they take you. And turn you over to the court. Do not worry beforehand about what to say. But say whatever is given to you by God in that hour. For it is not you who speak. But it is the Holy Spirit who will speak through you. Brother will betray brother to be put to death. And a father will hand over his child and children will rise up and take a stand against parents and have them put to death. Mm -hmm. You will be hated by everyone because of your association with my name. But the one who patiently perseveres empowered by the Holy Spirit and endures to the end, he will be saved. Amen. Verse 14. See, again, without me even have to drag us back to that false doctrine of a pre-trib, Jesus is telling his disciples, 
which are us today. Obviously, verse 14 is going to happen in the future. Nonetheless, he is telling his church, his disciples, his branches, his followers, his children. When you see the abomination of desolation standing in the temple sanctuary where it ought not to be. Mm -mm -mm. Let the reader understand. Then those who are in, Ju in, in Judea must flee to the mountains. So let me just hit this one time again. Why would Jesus, looking into the future, obviously these disciples, John, Peter, James, whoever was sitting with him on the Mount of Olives privately, they would not be living when this occurs. He's talking about when the Antichrist stands up in that third temple, in the temple sanctuary. He's telling the church, when you see the abomination of desolation, folks, all you got to do is look on your phone, go to the internet and find out on the timeline when this abomination of desolation will take place because Jesus is telling his followers at this time living when this happens happens they will see it so again tell me how the church will not be here when because he's not talking to sinners no he's talking amongst his disciples <clears throat> and we are reading this teaching of our master. He is telling us before it even happens. He's telling those in the future, when you see the abomination of desolation. So again, the church will be on the earth during this time because this doesn't happen until again. Three and a half years in. And this is the problem. No one is studying to show themselves approved. So when the wolf comes to you with the high sounding nonsense, no one is shutting him down saying, no, that's not true. Jesus tells us in Matthew, what, where are we at? Matthew, I'm sorry, back that up. Mark, Mark 13 14 that he said when we see the abomination of desolation so bishop what you mean the church is going to be raptured out of here before the antichrist gets to going mm -hmm. verse 15 of what i say mark 13 Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to enter the house or go inside to take anything out of his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his coat. And woe to those women, to, to those women who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Pray that it will not occur in the winter for at that time there will 
here we go. At that time, there will be such, tri- yeah, such tribulation as has not occurred from the beginning of the creation which God made until now and never will be again. And if, verse 20, and if the Lord had not shortened the days, no human life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose for himself, he shortened the days. Beloved, again, we see right here, Christ is saying, but for the sake of the church. That's why he shortened the days. Otherwise, there will be no human beings left on the earth. Because if he would have allowed it to go on any longer, there will be no one left. He said, but for the sake of the elect. And who are the elect? Those whom he chose for himself. So we know it's the church, beloved. He said, if it, if it were not for us, he, he, he would not have shortened the days. But because we were still on the earth, he did, in fact, shorten it. Otherwise, no human life would have been saved. Amen. Verse 21. Then if anyone says to you, You who? The church. That's who he's talking to who will be. Please. I'm, I'm, I'm not going back there again. Where was I? Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. Or look, here he is there. Do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and they will provide signs and wonders in order to deceive if such a thing were possible even the elect those God has chosen for himself but be on your guard on your guard I have told you everything in advance thank you Holy Spirit see Jesus is talking to the body of Christ. He is telling us this in in advance. Therefore, we will be on guard if we are here alive during this time. He's saying that many will say, look, here is the Christ or look, he is there. He says, don't believe that because false Christ and false prophets will arise during this time and they will provide all kinds of signs and wonders, even to deceive, if it was even possible, the elect. He's telling us, don't believe the hype. If anyone during this time say to you, there's the Christ, he's over there, come on, let's go and check him out. He said, don't believe it. There will be many lying 
wonders and signs during that time. And he's telling us, don't fall for it. I'm telling this to you now. So when you see the abomination that causes desolation, I told you about this in advance. And how he says it up here, if the Lord had not shortened the days, no human life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose for himself, he shortened the days. Amen. So he said, I told you everything in advance. Mm-hmm. So now listen, the return of Christ. Verse 24, where are we at? Mark 13. But in those days, after the suffering and distress of that tribulation, the sun will be darkened. Uh, folks, I I'm sorry, but I'm being prompted by the Holy Spirit to keep asking you these questions. Why is Christ Jesus giving us in startling detail about what's going to happen if we would not be here to see all of this. He is explaining it to us now in advance. If we were to be taken out of here, why is he telling us these things we are about to read? Because these things are happening right smack dab in the midst of it all. He's saying, okay, now, when the church will be raptured, I don't know. It, it probably will be very close to the end. Uh, we don't know. We can only go by what we are reading here in scripture. He said, in those days, after, after the suffering and distress of that tribulation, the sun, because this is right before he returns. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from the sky and the powers that are in heaven, in the heavens, will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory and royal majesty and splendor. Mm -hmm. And then he will send out the angels and will gather together his elect, those he has chosen for himself. See, again, the church will be here, he says, after the tribulation. So call it a, a post-trib rapture, whatever. Forget about these terms. Look for the Christ. Okay? Because he's telling us after those days, the sun is going to be darkened. The moon will not give its lights. And the stars, they will be falling from the sky. And the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in clouds and he will send out the angels and, and will gather together his elect. This elect is the same one. He's telling us up here 
in verse 22 and in verse 20. Well, he said, and then he will send out the angels, verse 27, and will gather together his elect, those who have chosen, those he has chosen for himself from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of the heaven. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and it puts out its leaves, you recognize that summer is near. Even so, you too, okay, he's talking to the church. So they can just kill it with all of this pre-trib rapture. He said, I assure you, Wait, no, back it up. Verse 29. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, know for certain that he is near, right at the door. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, this generation, the people living when these signs and events began will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth as now known will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that exact day or hour, no one knows. Even when the angel, even, even the angels in heaven, nor the son in his humanity, but the father alone. Verse 33, be, listen. Okay, since we know all of this is about to go down, he says in verse 33, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us, be on guard and stay constantly alert and pray for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man away on a journey who, when he left home, put his servants in charge, each with his particular task, and also ordered the doorkeeper to be continually alert. Therefore, be continually on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, stay alert in case he should come suddenly and unexpectedly and find you asleep and unprepared. Amen. Beloved, have we not been talking about this on the podcast as of late? Being prepared, staying woke. He said in verse 37, And I'm going to end it with this because I know y'all got to go. Verse 37, what I say to you, I say to everyone. Okay. Because he don't forget he's having this, this conversation with his, with his inner core disciples, right? He's saying, what I say to you, I say this to everyone, Be on the alert. 
stay awake and be continually cautious. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the living God. Beloved, we gotta, we gotta be prepared. We gotta be ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. Listen, the one who will be saved is the one who endures until the end. If the end means this tribulation period or the very end of your life, he's telling us what I say to you, I say to everyone, be on the alert. Stay awake and be continually cautious. Amen. We got to stop sinning. We got to get our lives in order. We got to be real serious. The hour is short. The day is. Beloved. We got to be ready. Can't. I, I can't say it enough. We must live clean. Be holy. Continually looking over our lives. Is there anything, anything willful, blatant that we are doing that does not bring honor and glory to the Father, then we need to stop it. Otherwise, we ain't going to make it. Amen. Amen. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Bad company, do not be deceived, will always corrupt your good morals. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.